The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. A Utah State School Board member took to the internet to bully a high school girls basketball player. Dare we ask, who is to blame? Plus, Salt Lake City cafes are embracing a new trend, eliminating tipping. Executive producer Emily Means is here to break it down with me and give some shout outs. It's Wednesday, February 14th. I'm Allie Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Executive producer Emily Means, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Ali Vallarta. Oh my goodness. One thing I love is catching up with you on the news of the week. (laughs) I know. Even when it's bad news, even when it's just bad news, Um, which is kind of where we have to start today because the talk of the town is a member of the Utah State School Board named Natalie Klein getting on Facebook and wreaking absolute havoc in the life of a teenage girl who is just minding her own business. Will you give us a timeline of events? Yeah, Allie, this really is the talk of the town. This is something that, like, my friends are reaching out to me about (laughs) and trying to get the deets. I saw that the Washington Post picked this story up. CNN picked it up. That is never good news for us when we hit national news. (laughs) But... Okay, here's the situation. Last week, state school board member Natalie Klein, who, if you haven't heard of her before, is um, well known in the state for her far right ideology. And uh, also, Ali, she actually represents the south part of Salt Lake County. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that she was based here. Mm-hmm. So Natalie Klein posted an image of a Salt Lake County high school girls basketball team on her social media and insinuated that one of the players was trans. And there was no proof of this, and the student is not trans, and even if she was, this would be inappropriate, and we should say that. And then ensued a pile-on by Klein's followers threatening the Mm -hmm. student. Uh, The Granite School District, where the student attends school, said they were working to keep the students safe after this. And the backlash was pretty damn swift, Allie. Many, many people calling for her to resign from all levels of government. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. I mean, another big question here is like, who is Natalie Klein? Like, who is this woman? And for anyone who hasn't heard this name before, this is not the first time Natalie Klein has been in hot water for inciting hate speech. In July of last year, she was under investigation for comments over uh, school board staff members' gender orientation for social media posts. She is a, as the kids would call, she's a shit poster. She's just constantly online instigating. Um 
There were 87 complaints made against her between the two times that she was publicly reprimanded by the board. So between September 2021 and July 2023, 87 complaints came in of people saying that she had incited hate speech in one way or another, specifically on social media. That is a very specific trend, okay? Mm-hmm. I went to Natalie Klein's Utah State School Board bio because I was kind of curious how she presents herself. And mm-hmm. she is from Bluffdale, as you mentioned. And I just need to read you the first two sentences of this bio because a deep, deep sense of irony will take over your physical body. Natalie Klein has been deeply involved in the fight for family-friendly education policy for the past decade. She has lobbied and testified locally in favor of parental rights, student data privacy, and the protection of our children's innocence. Oh, I'm grimacing, Allie. I am grimacing. Basically, four different things she has not done in one single Facebook post. How do you manage to upend your whole legacy in a single Facebook post? Like, it's just so... It's so ick. The hypocrisy is so ick. And I think it's also important to note, like, the result of this has been incredibly traumatic and dramatic for this student who was placed under police protection because of the threats being made against her and her family. I mean, you and I have both been a teenage girl. We don't even need to get into the fact that that is the last thing. In the words of the Princess Diaries, let's add a tiara. Right. It's like, (laughs) let's add some fanfare around the agony of this experience of being a teenage girl. It's just it's hateful stuff. It's hateful stuff. Well, and Allie, the thing that's notable, I guess, this time around is that she's managed to offend everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that former Governor Gary Herbert said this past week when he was asked about this situation. He was on the the Hinckley Report, which is like a weekly... Wait, what? Yeah, why why are we asking Gary Herbert about this? He was on the Hinckley Report last week, which is like a weekly news roundup on PBS. And he said... She's managed to do something not a lot of people do, which is uh, offend everybody from all walks of life on this. And he said as well that she should resign, echoing what many elected officials are seeing. We saw city councils passing resolutions demanding her resignation, Mm -hmm. local school boards and state leaders, which I think is where things are... Interesting, um, because the legislature is actually working on a resolution to figure out what to do about Natalie Klein. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is really interesting to me because we could be potentially setting some precedents. And as of, I should just say, 11 a.m. Tuesday morning, because the legislature moves quickly when they're in the mood and they move slowly when they're in the mood. It does feel like on this, they've been moving quite slowly. It's ironic to think about the bill that in so many ways created this catastrophe, has set up this sort of infrastructure of online ultra-conservative mall cops policing children's gender, is something called HB 11, which they managed to pass in less time than they've spent deliberating what to do about Natalie Klein in this situation. Um, But Senate President Stuart Adams has said they're examining their options And those options range from impeaching this state school board member as a legislative body to just giving her a reprimand and kind of moving on from it. So let's talk about 
kind of like there are basically three different options for how this could play out. Um, And then a fourth kind of wild card. So one is the legislature starts impeachment proceedings. They as an entity say we have the power to do this and we're going to exercise that power. Option B is the legislature punts to the governor. They grant the governor power to remove her and make him do it. Why would they do that? Well, a lot of these legislators are running potentially in the next few years against ultra conservative challengers who might like Natalie Klein's behavior and find it to be alluring and use that against them in For example, a a party convention where the most conservative person tends to walk out the champion. Um, Punting to the governor, I mean, you know, it's possible. Seems less likely. Sure. It would be, I mean, they don't usually want to give more power to Governor Cox. Unless it's to hang him out to dry. Right. And remember, Governor Cox is also running for re-election this year against some Republicans who are running to the right of him. Mm -hmm. And... Like you said, Allie might support Natalie Klein here. Yeah. The third option is that the legislature grants impeachment authority to the State Board of Education, which interestingly enough, they currently do not have. So the State Board of Education, which is where Natalie Klein sits, her colleagues, they can remove her from committee assignments. They can pass a resolution to reprimand her, but they can't remove her from the board. And in a lot of ways, I mean... That doesn't make sense because they're a pretty big body. Like, it's not like they're a board of four people. They're a board of 15 people. Like, that's a that's a big board to kind of whip votes on, which gets into what could happen if the legislature gives them the authority to impeach, which is they can't get it done because they don't have the votes. I mean, there are that is also a place where some of the more moderate Republicans who would probably be very interested in removing Natalie Klein for this behavior are being primaried by conservative, more conservative. I don't even want to say conservative. I want to say right wing extremist members of their own party. Um, And that can make it difficult for certain members of the board to to whip the votes that they need to get this done. It would probably be not a simple majority to remove her. It'd probably be something like two thirds. Um, And that's really cynical, right? Like that's really, that's just a dark place to be in when we can't move on something this serious Mm -hmm. and obvious because of political consequences. But that is also so often where we find ourselves in this political system. Mm -hmm. I mean, the kind of wild card option is the legislature does nothing. That they wade through this kind of bureaucracy. They get their shiny moment of going on TV and making themselves look like good guys for publicly reprimanding Natalie Klein. But they do what they tend to do, which is bow to the most extreme members of their party. See Governor Cox sending 10 people to the border just so he can say he did and enjoy the flashy media moment and do nothing. Right. And Allie, this is where I have put my tinfoil hat on. You're often wearing a tinfoil hat. (laughs) And that's just, you know, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Question. You got to question. You got to ask questions. Yeah. And, you know, you noted. Are you watching True Detective season? (laughs) (laughs) What's the question, Emily? Ask the question. Here's the question. Why does the legislature care so much? 
Like we've said, this is not even the first time Natalie Klein has behaved badly. It's not the first time she's disparaged students. It's not the first time that she's been in hot water. And the reason why is because if they condemn her as one bad apple, it absolves them of their wrongdoing in passing all of the anti-trans laws that allow this behavior to happen yes. and support this behavior. Yes. Right. And she is the perfect candidate to sacrifice in this instance because of her history of mm-hmm. bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even, Ali, the statement from the governor's office, there was a joint statement from mm-hmm. Governor Cox and Lieutenant Governor Henderson. They framed it as you know, an example of bullying on social media, which it was, but there was no mention of how it's a problem that we're bullying people we may perceive as trans, how we've attacked our trans community here in Utah. They focused on the social media aspect of it, which plays into their agenda (laughs) around, you know, tackling the harms of social media. So, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, that they're really disgusted by this behavior. But given the history of the past three years, all of the bills the legislature has written, passed, and the governor has signed, harming trans people in this state, like, I cannot, I just can't believe them. I don't believe them. No. There is a popular expression, which is, if you build it, they will come. You all built this. These people are acting the way you have instructed them to by placing infrastructure that says we are going to write bills that make exceptions to bully what the four, five, six. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. matter how many children in our state who are trans who just want to play sports. Something that we know is very, very good for the health and wellness of children. Or use the bathroom or see a doctor or make decisions with their parents and their doctor that have nothing to do with you, legislators. And it's like, yeah, you built this. Like, And I think Kira Birkeland and her behavior in all this is such a perfect example. Like, She is one of the authors of HB 11, the anti-trans sports bill, which again is how we got here. And she commented on Natalie Klein's post and was like, oh, I don't know this kid's story and I find this in poor taste. She said, we do have laws regarding student athletics. The commission, which is the commission that her bill established, which basically examines children to determine whether they should be able to play on the sports team that aligns with their gender identity. This is her. The commission has had at least four student athletes come before it, and all four have been denied participation on the team that doesn't align with their sex at birth. This post should be deleted and an apology expressed. Congratulations, Kira Brooklyn, because what you just did was share protected information about the commission's decision making on student athletes. So actually, you might now also be pursued by the Salt Lake County District Attorney for breaking the law you wrote. And it's like, I'm just like, it's so out of hand. Like, you're all just caribou running off a cliff. Like, I'm like, I don't even know. (laughs) Look in the mirror. You're in in this. You're on Facebook trying to absolve yourself, and you've managed to get yourself in further hot water, and also reveal the extreme hypocrisy at play here. Yeah, yeah. There's another 
Facebook mom who reshared this post. They're in resharing this photo of a minor online without her consent. This woman's name is Tiffany America. And she wrote, was this a setup? Is it just a crazy coincidence that Natalie Klein's opponent used to coach the girls' basketball team at Cottonwood Heights? Hmm. And it's like, what? You think this whole thing was set up by Natalie Klein's opponent because she coached the opposing basketball team? We're in hell. We're in hell. Everything is out of control. The legislature put us here. Governor Cox uh, (laughs) aided and abetted them in putting us here. Yeah. And will Natalie Klein resign? I don't know. Will anyone impeach her? I don't know. I don't know. Here's what we do know is that if you are a member of the Utah State School Board, you are waiting for directive from the legislature right now on what is in your power. And you're not even necessarily sure when you all will meet again. Presumably, once you get directive from the legislature, you will call an emergency session. And so everyone's kind of just sitting around waiting to see how this plays out. And once again, as Ben Winslow Fox 13 political reporter loves to say, and we repeat here often, all roads lead to the legislature. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, And after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Okay, Emily, as they say, and now for something completely different, let's talk about the fact that there is a trend in Salt Lake City that is emerging, and it is eliminating tipping. 
the latest business that did this was Three Pines Coffee, a little cafe down on Main Street in downtown Salt Lake City. And they have eliminated tipping and raised wages from $8 to $18 base pay. $18. Why $18, Allie? Well, that is what's considered a livable wage for a single person with no children in Salt Lake City. Hmm. So this is, uh, I don't know. What do you think about this? I'm really into this. And it's not just because I should say the owner of Three Pines Coffee is a friend of mine, Nick. But I find myself dealing with the awkward and embarrassing, like, how much should I tip scenario all too often. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm a person who, I don't know, maybe it's because my parents were both Catholic. Like, I'm just capable of shame. (laughs) Oh, the guilt. The guilt. (laughs) Yeah. And there's nothing worse than when someone's, like, standing in front of you. I remember one time I booked this really expensive private fly fishing, like half day for my ex-boyfriend for his birthday. And we like got to the end of the day of fishing and it was something that I'd already was like, you know, had really saved for and whatever. And the fly guide asked if I wanted to add a tip on top of it. And I was like, Uh, what Uh, like it's private like it's only you and we're already just paying you so this is just like a random surprise like I just think we find ourselves in these kind of like curb your enthusiasm situations a lot with tipping and I love the idea of a business owner removing that burden from us and I will say like I asked Nick about this and he was like look I'm not trying to abolish tipping like if you really had an amazing experience and you really want to leave a couple extra bucks we'll take it but what we're doing is we're removing the burden of like your tip compensating for my employees' wages. Like what it should Mm -hmm. be is that they don't rely on your generosity to pay their bills. Right. Their wage should pay their bills. And I'm super into that. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And the way that he did this, he raised their wages, is by raising the price of coffee by 20%. And that's about an extra dollar per cup. And that seems pretty reasonable to me, Allie. Like, do you think we'll see more coffee shops doing this now? It's an interesting question. Nick said that a couple have reached out to him. Actually, I have to say the Rose establishment was, I think, one of the first coffee shops to do this. They did it a little bit differently. What they did is they standardized a service fee and then Hmm. that's built in like you'll see it on the screen. But then you also still get the option of a tip screen if you want to add a tip. And it's really low. It's like one, two or three percent. I think the way that Nick has done it is a little bit more like compact. Um, Mm -hmm. And it kind of buffs out to actually make coffee cheaper for regular customers. Because Mm. if your coffee was $4.50 and you would have added a dollar or two in a tip, now your coffee is $5. So over Mm -hmm. time, it's actually kind of money saving. And their prices don't just include the tip. They also include taxes and fees. Like they've built it all in, which is another thing that I'm really into. Like I wish clothes did that. It's just like, tell me how much this is. Yeah. In the end, when I check out, how much am I going to be forking over to you? One of the owners of Three Pines also owns Holy Water, the new coffee shop that's off of 7th East. And what is that? Like 2nd South. Um, And they're pretty sure that they'll hopefully by like summer start implementing the no tipping policy there as well. They just just opened their doors. So they're it's not netting out for them quite yet. Um, But he told me that he's getting messages from people all over the world. 
about this. Really? Yes. And this is funny. This is a media study because this story broke on KUTV, which is Sinclair Media Owned. So what that means is that it was then picked up by all the other Sinclair media stations. Oh, really? And so he's like getting all these messages from people in the UK and Canada (laughs) being like, either being like, you're a hero or you're a monster who's taking away our rights to like police our service. Um, But yeah, it's to me, it's funny as also just like a media study. Yeah, no, that is funny. I I really do like this, Allie. And I wonder if I might keep tipping anyway like Mm. I've never worked a restaurant job before a food service job before yeah but I have worked customer service and that is hard so okay like it's so hard and I was somewhere recently I think it was maybe at like Ava's bakery just literally two doors away from Mm -hmm. Three Pines and I was sitting next to this woman who probably doesn't listen to this show so she won't know I'm talking about her and she was like you know, she was talking about like whether the service was good enough for a tip or something. And mm. I was like, you have disposable income and you can sit down and enjoy a coffee and a baguette at this cafe. You better be tipping, lady. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, my friend, one of my uh, childhood friends used to have this boyfriend and he would do this thing that I think is so funny, which is like when they would go out to eat together, if they would split the bill and she would like tip he'd wait until she like filled out her her receipt first and then he would look over and whatever she tipped oh he would tip one more dollar yeah <laughs> and i think that's like the funniest thing ever that's an ally so ally for places that do tip still i yeah. thought that i would mention some rules we talked to alexi fisher who's the owner of hammered copper mobile bartending service we talked to her last year yeah and she gave us some rules because it is kind of like the wild west out there so let's get a refresher let's get a refresher a few takeaways here if it's self-serve she mostly doesn't tip that's what she recommended. So, yeah. like, I'm trying to think of that sort of situation. I think, like, like the Froyo place. Like, the Froyo you, place, right. They hand you a bowl and you go through the line and do the whole thing. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to tip. Takeout. This is something that I think a lot of people are like, I'm not sure what the etiquette is here. Uh, Alexi suggested a minimum of 15% just for takeout. But if you're getting it delivered, a minimum of 20%. Hmm. So... That's important to note. And she also said cash is king, baby. Cash Try is king. to use cash whenever possible. Do you have a do you have a lot of cash on you right now, Allie? <laughs> do I have a lot of cash on me? No. I never have cash on me. And I feel like if I Same. do, it's a 20. I don't even know why. I guess because when I get cash out, it comes in 20s. Yeah. And I often find myself being like, oh God, I, I wish I had like a five yeah. or someone. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you're tipping $20 then on your takeout. Um, But she suggested cash because sometimes the sales platform takes all of the tips for themselves. So um, this is the way to get it directly into the hands of the service worker. Yeah. And then it's also an income tax workaround. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint, hint. Um, And then lastly, let's say you're at one of Salt Lake's wonderful cocktail bars. Alexi suggests tip a minimum of 20%, but honestly, 30%, because a lot of art and attention to detail went into crafting that cocktail for you. So I say, yeah, sure, thanks. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I'm glad you brought up bars, though, because one of the things I asked Nick from Three Pines is if he thinks like bars could be the next place that we start to eliminate tipping and build it into the price point. And I mean, with cocktails, I think it's different because there's just more involved, like if you're sitting there, but like kind of at a tavern where someone's pouring you a beer or like a brewery, he said no, he doesn't think so. Hmm. He thinks this is absolutely the future of cafe culture. But in terms of bars, like bartenders just make really good tips. And like it would be really hard for the business owners to compensate for that in their wages. Like it would be a deeper cut and increasing prices to compensate for that would be like really dramatic. Whereas at a cafe, you know, generally the tipping, the tips aren't aren't that big. So I think, yeah, future of cafes in Salt Lake, but you're still going to be tipping when you go to a restaurant. Don't don't get it in your head that like, you know, we're not going to pop down to Urban Hill for dinner and not have to leave a tip. Yeah. Pony up. Okay, let's do some shout outs and get out of here. You want to go first? I would like to shout out Dr. Angela Dunn, who Hmm. is the outgoing executive director of the Salt Lake County Health Department. She got a sweet new job with the CDC. And Allie, uh, she kind of saved us during the pandemic. (laughs) Like, hats off to Angela Dunn. She led the state's pandemic response and then moved to the Salt Lake County Health Department after that. Um, The mayor and county council honored her with a resolution last week. This is her last week with the county. So thank you so much, Dr. Angela Dunn, for your service and good luck. Good luck. Dr. Dunn, who has been through so much, never forget when she was doxxed by anti-maskers during the pandemic, who showed up at her home. I mean... She deserves a promotion and so much more. Indeed. We will miss you. And we'll miss having you on this show because she's been a CityCast Salt Lake guest before and she's a great guest. And hopefully whoever takes the reins from her is also great. What's your shout out, Allie? Okay. My shout out this week is to the 114 people that have become CityCast Salt Lake members. I know this feels oh like a God. sneaky thing to do to squeeze in a pitch for our membership program. And it is. Um... But it is Valentine's Day, and if you need a last-minute gift for your honey and they love local journalism or love reading our daily Hey Salt Lake newsletter or like listening to this show or love listening to this show, maybe you want to gift them a CityCast Salt Lake membership. You can do that at membership.citycast.fm. You or they will get cool perks like ad-free listening. We have already done some, like, members only or members first events. We did a walking tour of the Green Loop. Um, We're constantly drumming up new ways to engage with members. Ivana recently wrote this like really inspired guide to Valentine's Day that went out. Um, I did a members only uh, gift guide around Christmas time. So yeah, join the ranks of 114 founding members that support our work and allow us to keep making this show and newsletter every single day. Oh, and when you become a member, all of our computers go ding and we get a little (laughs) pop-up with your name. And if you write a message saying why you became a member, we also get that. And we like just... We love it. Yeah, we like... We love it. We feed on it. (laughs) Scream with delight into the void when you get it. So it feeds us. So yeah. And thank you. Thank you. 
All right, executive producer Emily Means, have a fantastic day. Have a great day, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Take good care. Bye.